Psalm 19 says that God's decrees are more precious than gold, more than pure gold. We pray, Heavenly Father, um, that you would teach us to value your word. Teach us to treasure what you have given to us in your word, in scripture. And we ask that by the power of, of your Holy Spirit, we want our heart to be found in that place, in the place of your word, to delight in what you have revealed to us, to delight in what you are saying to us now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So do please keep that passage open from Luke chapter 12 on page 1044. Now, often as a preacher, you get to a passage, the passage is read out, and I look up and I see your faces and you're looking a bit blank. Because I'm thinking, okay, there's some work to be done here to help to see why what was read for us, why that still matters. Sometimes it feels like there's this huge gap between the, the world or the culture that's found in here and the world around us. But as you heard that reading, you're thinking, no, that's, that, you know, that's not the case today. Questions about greed and wealth, about worry and about anxiety, they're all around us. It's all around us. It's not simply saying that this is a relevant piece of the Bible compared to the rest of it, but it's saying that the problems, actually, that the problems which are always there from the Bible, that are always transferable to our lives, sometimes they're just that much more clearer. They're that much clearer for us. And Jesus, he, he brings that teaching to us. He brings us questions, actually, more than that. He brings us warnings. He brings us commands. And he brings it to us as disciples. We had a break last week for, for Harvest. But this is the, the second sermon in, in a series that we're calling something like Jesus Live. Jesus here with us live. Jesus on the microphone bringing us the truth live and direct, talking to us straight about what it means to follow him. In our reading, which kind of neatly fits into two, neatly splits into two, between the parable of the rich fool and then what Jesus says about worrying. And originally, this was going to be um, a sermon on each of those passages. It was originally going to be two sermons, but we needed to, to bring them together. And actually, I really think that this works for us. This really helps us. Obviously, there are themes that, that run through both of them, but it's not simply about money, but it's about treasure, our treasure, our desires, what we think life is all about. And so here, we find in, in that first half, in that first part of the reading, a warning, a strong warning against greed. And then secondly, the answer to that, which is comfort, comfort about from knowing God's provision. So there's a warning against greed, but there's comfort for God's children in knowing his gracious provision. 
As I said, Jesus here is, he's teaching. It says there was a crowd around him, a huge crowd, so many that they were kind of like stepping on top of each other. And out of this crowd, someone speaks. Someone speaks out loud. They're getting Jesus' attention. They want Jesus to intervene in a family matter, to intervene in a family dispute about inheritance. Jesus is seen as a respected rabbi, and at that time, respected rabbis were called into to sometimes to settle matters like that. And that's what and that's what's going on. This guy calls out, Jesus, do something about this situation. But Jesus is clear that his mission isn't about getting involved in this kind of matter. But Jesus sees an opportunity. There's an opportunity here for Jesus to talk about our heart, to talk about motivations. He can see in this man's request, in this man's demand, there's greed here. There's greed, and Jesus wants to explode that out. He wants to bring that out to something to say to all of us. Verse 15, he, then he said to them, watch out, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, as I said, this passage speaks to all of us. Does it speak to some people more than others? See, when it comes to preaching about greed, we can be excellent at saying what this means for other people. There's a simple logic here. This passable, this passage has a title for us in our Bibles, a title which is added sometime later, you know, it's not part of the original text, saying the parable of the rich fool, and our logic goes. I'm not rich, so this isn't for me. And we look across at someone else, or we have someone else in mind, and think, those are the rich people. So turn to your neighbor, turn around and say, you're the rich fool. No, no. I'm... no. See, when it comes to determining who's rich, we have a way of kind of filtering that. <laughs> who's rich? Well, it's just someone who's got more money than me. That's where it starts for us. But Jesus says, watch out for greed. Watch out for greed. You need to watch out for something that's going to sneak up on you. You don't need to be told, watch out for something which is headed straight for you. You know it. You see it's coming. It's blindingly obvious. But greed sneaks up on you. Greed catches you out unawares. I don't think people set out their day, they set out in their career and think, you know what, I'm going to be greedy. But greed is more subtle, it's sly, it comes in and it takes us over bit by bit by bit. The point of Jesus' parable is pretty clear. Life isn't about all that you have. Don't put your confidence in what you've accumulated and what you've built up because it's going to serve you no use when you're accountable one day before Almighty God. Now, you can vary that. You can find variations uh, of that in your own way. Um, but it's pretty clear. That, that much is pretty clear. And it's really, really easy to think that that's not about me that that's not about me, that this is not a, an issue or a problem for me. But Jesus doesn't give us that option. 
doesn't allow us to squirm that way out. He says this is, you know, this is about our attitude to wealth and money and possessions. This is about our heart attitude towards those things, whether we have a little or a lot. This parable is here to teach us about our hearts, our desires, our motivation. The man in the parable, the man that Jesus described, he's rich and he gets a good harvest and there's nothing wrong there. There's nothing wrong here. This man's not a thief. He's not a boss out to exploit people. He's not employing slave labor. He's been blessed with a good harvest. You know, from the outside, from the outside, uh, people hearing this, in their culture, in their worldview, would have heard of a man, a rich man, being blessed with a good harvest and think, well, this guy's clearly the hero. He must be doing something right in order to where, so that he's in this place where he is now. And what he does with his bumper crop, what he does with his windfall, it makes perfect sense. He's protecting his assets. He's investing it securely. He's not like other characters that we meet um, in the parables who squander their money. This isn't like the, the younger son, the younger prodigal son who's, who's spending the money on wild living. No, this guy, he seems to be doing something which is sensible. And then he says he's going to take life easy. He's got enough money laid up, and so he's thinking, I, don't, I just don't need to work anymore. Now, let me be clear about something. Jesus isn't having a go at early retirement. <laughs> but Jesus is saying that money and wealth can easily make us selfish. It can make us self-centered. Maybe you picked up on this as Janet was reading. This is how he talks. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll store there. I'll store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have, many, you have plenty of grain stored up for many years. You get the picture. Deliberately, I, my, mine, mine. Now remember, this is a parable this is a parable when Jesus is telling a story. And he's telling a story to show up something about our hearts. He's trying to dig down to what we are. He's, he's trying to put a, a mirror against us, against our heart, against our, our response to the situation. So it's more than saying that this man needs to say thank you to God. and It's more than saying this man needs to share his wealth with other people. Yes, that is true. Yes, that is the right response to that. But Jesus wants, first of all, for us to see that our hearts are naturally distorted. Jesus wants to show that naturally, just left to ourselves, we will be bent in on ourselves. We will naturally want to think about ourselves. If I'm not alert... If I'm not aware, I'm going to be thinking about my money. I'm going to be thinking about my gifts, my talents, in order that the work that I do, the things that I can accumulate, or the things that I have, it's all about making my life comfortable so that I can eat, drink, and watch Netflix. 
or Disney Plus or Sky Sports, whatever it is. Fuck. Is that really greed? Is that really greed, though? We want to find a way out. I want to find a way out. I want to squirm my way out of this teaching and say, this isn't for me. I want to say, this can't be because of, this can't be about me. Not with my rising fuel bills, not with my mortgage payments, not with the size of my weekly shop. This isn't about me. Where's our treasure? Where's our heart at? Jesus knows that our hearts want to protect what we have, particularly when times are difficult. Elsewhere in the New Testament, greed is talked about as idolatry. Now, obviously, we're not out there bowing down and worshipping our car, getting down there, paying homage or whatever, burning incense to our house. But idols, idolatry, idols are what we think will give us meaning in life. Idols are what we want to give our time to, what we give our attention to, what we will spend our money on. And idols are things that we expect will fulfill us and satisfy us. And so maybe we need to have a look at our way of life, our way of living, our lifestyle, and think, what am I spending my money on? What am I giving my time to? Or is there something in my lifestyle that I'm going to think that if that was taken from me, that I would just struggle to live without it. Just think maybe of our friends and our colleagues, our neighbours. Maybe we feel a pull to keep up with them. Maybe we feel even a pressure to try and keep pace with our parents, with what they have or what they had at our stage of life. And sometimes that can lead to us, it's kind of like a real anxiety within, within us. We just feel that tension, that pull, like, oh no, I'm going to go to that meeting, I'm going to go to that family gathering or that party and all those people I was, uh, you know, from work, all those people I was at uni with or at school with are going to be there and they're going to be talking about what they're doing and what, and what they're up to and I, what have I got to show? How do I live up to that? And even the kinds of things they're talking about, what they're spending their money on or giving their time to, doesn't have to be anything extravagant. It's not even saying it's necessarily sinful. But the fact that our minds and our hearts feel so anxious about that shows that something isn't quite right within us. See, we need to hear it said to us, and then we need to feel it in our hearts that you are more than what you own. Your life is more than your holidays and the city breaks. Now, something else I need to be clear about. This isn't about saying, give more to the church. Being rich towards God, that's what it's about, does not necessarily equate to more giving to the church. It's not about saying, right, there is a certain percentage of income that you need to give, and then thereafter you need to be given an ever-increasing amount. It's not about that. If you are a member of St. James, we do believe that giving financially is part of our worship as a church family. 
Chris is probably mentioning something about that with the newcomers, but that's not the only thing he's talking about. You see, even if we are partnering financially, even if we are giving regularly to the church, we can have an attitude that says, well, I've done the standing order, I've written the check, that's for God, now the rest is for me, I've got my bit to do with how I please, the rest is mine. But it's not just about money either. Same goes for all that we have, for our time, for our energy. Generosity towards God can mean all sorts of things. I can't give you, I can give some ideas, but I can't be prescriptive about it because, again, it's about your heart, your motivations. You know what kind of analysis, what kind of health check you need to do on on your own finances, on your own use of time. But generosity towards God could include things like, you know, opening up your homes to invite people from the church family over for lunch, for dinner. And when you invite people, that you're not simply inviting those who've invited you or those who you invite who you think they've got the means to invite you back. Generosity towards God may mean sharing the bonus, sharing part of the extra that you've been given. It might mean foregoing the upgrade because it might mean you could give a little bit more to someone else. It might mean that the bargain that you've got at the supermarket can go towards the food bank to someone else who will need it more. See, the options are endless. A lot of people, if you were here last week, we were thrilled with the amount that people were giving to the soup kitchen. And then we were thrilled with the, the, the responses put on the post-it notes and put up, up, up at the front or at the side. If you wrote something on a post-it note, don't forget about it. Please honour that, that post-it note. Please honour your promise. Now, as is usual, I've probably spent too long on the first half of the passage. But what we have here... What we have here after the warnings on greed is comfort, a message of comfort for God's provision. The temptation for me as a preacher in preaching about greed is that I can make a really simple application that it's about giving more away. Just give more away. Increase your giving, whether that is to the church or to an organization, or give more of your time away. And And there can be a message which is like, give and give away because it hurts, or give away because it hurts, just do more and more. I don't really think that's what God's calling us to here. See, God calls us to generosity that is fueled by grace. A generosity that is fueled by the fact, by the recognition that God is the giver, that he is the first giver who gives abundantly to us. So this is about treasure and about trust. See, the greed in the parable is thinking that you can depend upon your wealth, that your wealth is your security, your protection. And Jesus isn't simply saying, um, that's all a bad idea because one day you're going to die. No, Jesus is saying, you're looking for protection? You're looking for security in life? Well, you can know that. 
saying, if you want protection and security, you can know that, real protection, because your Father loves you. It's as if Jesus hears our hearts, our hearts that say, our anxious hearts that says, I don't know if I can really afford to be rich towards you. And Jesus answers by saying, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear. There is so much that we can be worried about. And Jesus does not deny that we have needs, that we have real needs, legitimate needs. But our needs need to be set against God's loving provision for us as his children. And this doesn't mean that money's going to somehow, or food's going to somehow fall into our laps. It talks about the birds, it talks about the ravens that God will provide for them. Well, the ravens still had to dig for worms. It's not as though the ravens just open up their mouths and worms come flying in there. But Jesus is saying you can depend on the Father. Don't worry, don't get worked up. What is your heart set on? On Wednesday, last Wednesday, we discussed this passage, these two passages, um, in our small group, in our pastorate. And we were asking whether or not these passages were about money and wealth. And we were saying, well, in one obvious sense, they are. But more than that, these passages are about life. Life is a word that kind of flows through it. And what's life about? What, What does your life consist of? Life is meant to be about relationship. Not about what we possess or what we've experienced. Fundamentally, we were created to be in a loving relationship with an eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're meant to be in a loving relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then from that, to be in a loving, peaceful relationship with the people around us and the world that we live in. But our greed, our desire to build up and to see that as our protection... What does that greed do? It, it cuts us off from God. It cuts us off from that relationship of love. And if we persist in that, if we persist in, in, in ignoring God, pushing him to one side, then one day we will no doubt hear the stinging rebuke of God as he calls us fool. One day we will have to give an account for our lives. But it doesn't have to be like this. Instead of fool, we can be identified as part of the flock. The little flock. It's a tender term that Jesus is using here. We can call God Father. We can know him as a generous father. He didn't just provide for us in this life, but through Jesus' death on the cross, he gives us the treasures of heaven. And you know what? That's liberating. That's liberating. It frees us up to hold on to the good things that we have, like our wealth, but to hold on to those things with a loose grip, to enjoy what we have, be that early retirement or a car, a house, a holiday. But we can enjoy those things, but knowing that we can be rich towards God because we know he will take care of us. He will take care of us both here and through into eternity. So what are you building? Barns for yourself? 
Or are you providing purses, wallets that will not wear out? These passages are more than about our wealth or our money. They're about our life. And it's more about what we do with our money and resources. They tell us what our life is about. What are we building our life on? And maybe some of us do need to rethink that. Maybe some of us need to get on a course correction. Some of us maybe need to think about that for the first time and to really give that time and attention to think through. And I'm going to leave a moment now for you to do that quietly, and then I will lead us in a prayer. The Apostle Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your care. Thank you for your attentive care, your gentle care over for us as your children. Thank you that you know us. You know us personally, individually. You know exactly what we need. And you know the direction of our hearts. How quick we are to rely on ourselves, to look to ourselves and to not trust you. Forgive us for our greed. Forgive us for our selfishness with the good things that you have, give, you have given to us. Thank you for, we ask for your forgiveness for when we've just used those things for ourselves. Help us to take your warnings seriously. Help us to see that this has eternal consequence. And we pray, I want to pray for anyone who's hearing that and feeling that for the first time that they would turn away from a life centered on themselves and turn to you. That they would know forgiveness, not just for the way they've used their money, but the way that their life has been centered. We pray for the people who are feeling anxious. We ask that you would remove our fear. We praise you for Jesus, for that promise that he gives us, that we will know the treasures of heaven and we will know comfort and peace in our life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.